Guess what we're talking about today? If Money Talked. And we're going to tell you more about If Money Talked at the end of today. But this morning, I thought what I would do is money does talk, and we need to listen to it. And I figured the best way for you to listen to things about money might be for you to listen to how money talked to me. And when I say me, I mean my bride and myself. Because I've had a relationship with money for over 70 years, and, and we're talking about a relationship 101, and in relationships, sometimes relationships are nested inside of other relationships. So if you're in a relationship right now, money is nested somehow inside your relationship. And so this morning, I want to just dwell on some things that money has said to me over a period of time. And here's the first thing it said. My money talked and it said, it's impossible to be in a long-haul relationship with a short-term attitude. It's, it's impossible to be in a long-term relationship with a short-term attitude. Let me, let me give you a, the example. Uh, shortly after we're born, especially now, shortly after we're born, we get two things, two pieces of paper. What are they? A birth certificate and... And a social security card. See, you guys are you guys are tracking already. Birth certificate, social security card. So the second we get our social security number, we are inextricably connected with money. We don't have a choice. Uh, as soon as that card is issued, and as soon as our name is on that card, you and I are um, eminently, intimately connected with finances in some fashion. Realistically speaking, the relationship that you have with money is your first till death do us part relationship. You will not be separated from your resources until the time or the instant that you take your last breath. And so when we look at, when we look at our relationship with money, money is something, is a relationship that none of us have any control over. None of us can uh, control the fact that we're going to be inextricably connected with money. And what's interesting is that Jesus talks about the very same thing in one of his most famous parables. That, there, that there's a connection that happens early on in our brains regarding money and our responsibilities with it or our irresponsibilities with it and how we're going to deal with it for the future. And if we jump to Luke chapter 15, we're going we're to read a part of a parable this morning that Jesus tells, and the parable is the parable of the prodigal son. Everybody's pretty familiar with the parable of the prodigal son, but what, sometimes what we overlook is that the whole thing started over, it started over money. And, and this is what it says. It says, Jesus continued, it means Jesus is continuing to tell a story here. He's trying to, he's trying to make a point. And so sometimes when Jesus makes a point, he tells a parallel story that has a spiritual truth. And what he's doing is he's beginning to tell the story here. And he says, once there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property and in parentheses behind property, you can put inheritance because that's really how it's translated. Give me my share of the inheritance that will come to me. Now, time out for just a second. This young guy, the, the youngest of two sons, goes to the father, and for some reason, 
he has this perspective that what he's due, he can take now. Now, he's the younger son. And if you're familiar with um, inheritance in that day and in that time, the oldest son got two-thirds of everything. And so the younger son is coming and saying, I want my share, which is only a third. So he, he asked the father, and then the next sentence says this. So he, the father, for some reason, divided up the inheritance between the two of them. Now, here's what's important. When you think about an inheritance, do, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about long haul or short haul? Hello? Long haul, yeah. Inheritances are long haul resources. Um, long haul resources, and, and this, this son has said, Father, I, I know that you're planning for my future, you're planning for my inheritance, but I don't, I don't have a long-haul perspective, I have a short-haul perspective. And so before very long, the son collected all his belongings and went off to a foreign land where he squandered his wealth in the wildest extravagance. Remember my point? My point was, it's impossible to have a long-haul relationship with money if you have a short-term attitude about money. And then to finish it off, it says this, and when he had run through all his money, a terrible famine arose in that country, and he began to feel the pinch. How, how many have been there? How, how many have said, I want it, and I want it now, because I'm going to release it to its destiny now. And all of a sudden, when that happened, you realized that I'm in a pinch, resource-wise. Anybody ever done that besides me? Yeah, I think so. And what's, what's really interesting about this is when you look at it, it says, it says, he began to feel the pinch. He began to feel the pinch. You know what the original word is in the original text? It's hysterion which is where we get our word hysterical. This son released all of his resources, and when they were all gone, he was on the verge of being hysterical because he didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to go next because he had adopted the wrong philosophy with his money. He had a short-term attitude with something that was intended to be a long-haul relationship. I'm just wondering... I was thinking about this, that early on in my brides in my relationship when we were married, what if, what if she had come to me and said, you know what, I think we ought to stop renting and buy ourselves a little place so we stop wasting our money. And I said, I would have said, I'm not sure I'm in it for the long haul. What do you think that would have done for our relationship? let alone my life. <laughs> it, it wouldn't have worked because when, when you're in long-haul relationships, whether you're in a, a personal relationship that you consider a long-haul relationship or you're in a long-haul relationship with money, it really makes it difficult on the relationship if you have a short-term attitude. And so what probably the first homework assignment for you today is this. Stop and think. Stop and think for just a second. What is, what is your relationship with money do you look at it as this is going to be a long-haul deal or do you look at it as something that well we'll work it out 
day by day. Oh, come see, come saw. Um, hope tomorrow brings something better. We don't do that. Or at least we shouldn't do that because, because our relationship with money is going to continue and it's going to continue and continue. And my question is, when it comes to money, what is the attitude that you will adopt? Are you with me? What attitude will you adopt? And this is important because once you adopt something, once you adopt something, if, if you're someone in the room that has ever adopted a child, the, the part where you signed the papers and said, I'm going I'm to adopt this individual, I'm going to adopt this person, that's the easy part. Because once you've adopted, you then have to adapt your life to the adoption that you've made. In other words, if you bring home a child that you've adopted, you then have to adapt all of the rest of your life to the introduction of that adoption, and you have to make the necessary, crucial changes because an adoption isn't short-term, it's long-haul. And the same thing is true with money. And, and maybe, maybe that's the first change a lot of us have to make, is that we have to make, we have to make a change in our thinking, saying that this is a long-haul deal. Well, if once you've adopted that, then, then you have to adapt. That's, that's where my bride and I were. We eventually adopted the idea that we're in this thing for the long haul. We're not going to ever separate ourselves from the resources that we have. So if you can't separate yourself from the relationship and you can't control the relationship, what can you control? The quality of the relationship. See, we're all in it, and, and all of us don't have a choice, but all of us do have a choice with regard to the quality of the relationship that we can continue on with, and, and that's when we get to the next point, and it's this. My money talked, or our money talked, and it said, since we're in this for the long haul, and we're not going to be away from each other, let's get face-to-face -face daily. Let's get face-to-face -face daily with our resources. Let's have a check-in daily with regard to the resources that we've been entrusted with in some fashion. And, and, you know, we can pretend that money isn't part of our lives or we can ignore it for a period of time or we can glance at money every once in a while or we might think that we can unfriend money for a while, but we can't do it. It's not, it's not going to happen because we are connected at the hip which is where we keep our wallets generally, right? Okay, so King Solomon, King Solomon knew a lot about face-to-face -face relationships. King Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs, and, and he was the wisest plus the wealthiest person in the world. And so we can gain some wisdom from him when it comes to the idea of how do we personally handle the relationship if we want to improve the quality of the relationship. We need to begin to look at it on a face-to-face -face basis daily. And here's, here's what King Solomon says in Proverbs 27. He says, be sure, be sure 
Now, this is from the perspective of a shepherd. Be sure. Be diligent. In, in other words, make this a focus in life. He says, be sure, daily diligent, you know the condition, the condition, which is translated faces of your flocks. Make sure you know the diligently daily the faces of your flocks. Now think about this for just a second. He says that every shepherd, every shepherd, if he's a good shepherd, does something on a daily basis with his sheep. The, the shepherd would go into the field and the shepherd would personally examine the face of every single sheep that he had. Now this is important because the face of the sheep determined the overall condition of the sheep. By looking at a sheep's face, you can tell the condition that its condition is in. And, and so the shepherd would have a daily check-in with every, with every member of his flock, and he would look at their faces. And it says, give careful attention. Set your inner will to the herds, for riches do not endure forever. L- let me explain this. Every, every shepherd knew every sheep personally. And you know what else he knew? He knew whether or not that sheep was healthy just based on looking at its face. And so what, what the shepherd would do is the, the shepherd would inspect every sheep and he was primarily looking for something in particular. And he was looking for something called scab, S-C-A-B, in sheep. Sheep are particularly prone to this parasite, and the parasite is called scab, and, and the scab generally nests itself in, in the nasal area or the ear area of a sheep. And, and the parasites could become so bad that, that the sheep would be irritated to the extent that it would rub heads with other sheep and it would pass the scab from sheep to sheep. They would become so irritated that they would bang heads with one another. And sometimes scab became so bad that the sheep would actually go over to a rock and they would beat their heads against a rock until they expired themselves. And so it was important. It was, imp- it was important for the, for the shepherd to check in with the face of everybody in his flock on a daily basis. What about us? How about you? What about these faces? See, those are, those are our flocks today. Those, those are the faces um, that we should be intimately familiar with. I know in the, in the video, he was talking about your, your Lincolns becoming Benjamins and Benjamins becoming Franklins and Grants and Hamiltons. And, and uh, honestly, uh, every one of us in the room, those, those are now the flocks that we've been entrusted with. When you go back and you look at, when you go back and you look at the proverb, the proverb says, daily Every day, check on the faces of the flocks or the stocks that you've been given. 
And, and the, most important, the most important part of it is that, that if we don't check in daily, if we don't check in daily, these flocks have a tendency to get away from us. And, th- and that's one of the first things that my bride and I learned. <laughs> we, we learned early on that we both had a different but dysfunctional relationship with money. So I don't know about you, but every mistake that I've ever made with money, I've been there. How about you? Yeah, I, I was there for every single mistake that I've ever made, particularly with money. And that's true for all of us. All of us, when it comes time to making bad moves with money, we were all there. We were all intimately were involved. We were all present and accounted for when that happened. And, and when my bride and I first got together, I, I, I had a bachelor's in, in business administration and economics and statistics, and I could calculate money. I had a position with the university. My department spent $50 million a year in a fund accounting system, and we did acquisitions and purchasing for the university system, and my personal finances were an absolute disaster. My philosophy in keeping track of money and balancing the checkbook was simple. You close it at the end of every year, close your account, all right, you close your bank account, and you open a new one, and you start over. That's how I did it. That was, I did an annual balance, old account closed, new account opened. And, oh, by the way, my bride wasn't a whole lot better. You know, she, she had a different perspective of money. Um, it, it was a, a perspective that as long as I have checks, I have money. And, and and as a matter of fact, she, was be, she would be called to the bank every once in a while, or maybe more than once in a while, because she was on what they call the overdraft list. You know what I'm talking about? The OD list, overdraft list. And, and so she would come in, and the bank manager would see her come in, and the bank manager had a nickname for her. Her name was Write a Check Rhonda. <laughs> no problem, write a check. So we had, uh, immediately we knew that we had a different but extremely dysfunctional relationship with money. How, how many in the room have recognized at one point in your life that you had a dysfunctional relationship with the flock that God has given you? Yeah, we, it, it happens. And it happens on a regular basis. So if, if you can't, if you can't control the relationship from the fact that it's established, you can only c- control the quality of the relationship with your money. And the quality of your relationship begins by understanding the faces that are involved in the relationship. What comes next? Because if we don't check in on our money daily, how, how many do daily balance checks on, on your finances by looking at your online accounts? Yeah, see, my, my bride does a daily balance check every single day. Every single day. She, she knows the condition of the faces that we have. But it's not just enough to check in on the faces. There's another part to this, and it's this. My money talked, or our money talked, and it said, start putting me, 
my money in strategically safe places immediately. Start putting, start putting me in strategically safe places immediately. Why, why, why does it say safe places? Why, why do we put our money in safe places? Who are we protecting our money from? Us, yeah. You guys are catching on really fast. We're, we're, connecti- we're, we're connected now with our resources, and, and we not only know, have to know the condition of our faces, we have to know where to put those faces strategically on a regular basis. This is, this is what we learned. And, and you might say, I don't, are there any kids in the room? Any kids? Raise your hands. Okay, we're kind of anal about this, okay? I'm, I'm the big picture guy. When, when my bride and I sit down, we sit down sort of as the finance committee for our home. And I do hopefully most of the planning for the long haul. And she takes care of most of the details in the short haul for the long haul. And we're going to go back to Solomon here in just a second because this is extremely, this is extremely important, not, not only to you, but this is extremely important to God as well. And so I want to I set this up by saying, when, when you begin to look at shepherds, we, we have this um, maybe inappropriate perspective of a shepherd as someone that, that just leads a bunch of sheep as, as he walks through a field or down a road or whatever he might be doing. But the reality is that the shepherd has a deep, innate understanding of every sheep's strategic place in his future. And I want to I show you this. This is, this, is the, this is the key to everything this morning. And it comes from another proverb from Solomon. And this is the proverb. It says this. There is precious treasure, which is translated long-haul stores, and oil in the dwelling of the wise, short-term provisions. But a foolish man swallows it up. We've got to take a massive time out for just a second. There's, you, you can look at it and say, there are precious treasures and oil in the dwelling of the wise. Okay, so there's how many commodities there? Precious treasures and amounts to two. It's math, I know. It's <laughs> In the dwelling of the, what's the word? Wise. Time out. Do you know how wise is translated? Here's a great translation. The, the word literally means in Hebrew, your mind is connected to your right hand. Your mind is connected to your right hand. So the, the proverb says that in the dwelling of the person whose mind is connected with his right hand is something special. And what he's talking about 
is two different commodities. He's talking about precious treasure and oil. See, oil is a staple. Oil is a staple. In, in the oil business, in a person's home, in the nation of Israel, the, the oil was con- considered that staple that made your house run on a day-in and day-out basis. It, it was a picture of cooking. It was a picture of medicine. It, it, it was a picture of healing. It was a picture of lamps being lit. And so what, what the proverb is saying is that every wise man has two different commodities in his home. He's got the short-term staples, the things that you need to get under control on a daily basis, and you have the long-haul precious treasures. And the long-haul precious treasures were different because the long-haul precious treasure was stores that could be converted to staples. In, in, in fashion, what he's saying is that every time you see this phrase, precious treasure and wise, think of it this way. There are two different categories that the man is talking about or the shepherd is responsible for taking care of. We're responsible for the oil, which is the short-term staple, and we're responsible for the precious treasure, which is the long-haul things that we need in case there's an exigency of some kind. And And... That's a person whose mind is connected with their right hand. When, when you go back and you look at the story of the prodigal, we know, from, we know from the brother in the story of the prodigal son that he spent his money on partying and prostitutes. That's what it says. And, and the wise man is is supposed to have his mind connected with his right hand and make both short-term and long-term decisions with the resources that we've been entrusted with. And when you look at short-term provisions versus long-term provisions, what are we talking about? We're, we're talking about those things that are part of a budget. All right? It's a tough word to get out there because pe- people don't want to talk about a budget. They want to they talk about something. You notice in the video, every time he mentioned the word plan, that people would hang up. Be, and sometimes we're averse. We're averse to the idea that since we have a long-term relationship and we've got to get familiar with the faces daily and those faces should have places that they go on a regular basis, it means that no face... Now listen, no face that graces your accounts should not be designated to a place. Are you with me? There's no free-floating money. How do we know that? Well, the proverb, the proverb's interesting because every time, every time a shepherd looked at a sheep, he would know. He would know whether or not that was a long-haul sheep or a short-haul sheep. How? He would look at some sheep and say, you're, you're good. You're good to keep around because your wool, your coat is amazing. And so you're, gonna, you're, you're in this for the long haul. You're, you're going to be you're going to be one of my precious treasures as we move through the seasons together, 
as we move through the seasons together, when the season is right, I'm going to shear you every year, and I'm going to convert that shearing into something that will be a long-term provision for me so that when times get tough, I will have long-haul set-asides or precious treasures in my home. Some, sometimes the shepherd would look at a sheep and say, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to love you until the day I turn you into groceries. It's going to happen. And so the, the shepherd would look the shepherd would look at that particular sheep and know, I'm going to I'm going to take care of you. Your your coat may not be the best looking coat in the world, but you sure are fluffy in all the right places. And you're going to make some great chops down the road. And and sometimes, sometimes, sometimes he would look at the sheep and say, you know what? You are perfect. And you know what happened to the perfect ones? they got set aside as sacrifices. They, they, became part of the, they became part of the holy element of the culture because once a year, when it came time for the Day of Atonement, those sheep that were perfect were sold to the priests and the priests used them as sacrifices to atone for the sins of of individuals, and in some cases to atone for the sins of the whole nation. And, and you know what? This, the same is true for us. The same, the same is true for us. We, we, we need to begin to look at our resources. Like the shepherd looked at his flock saying, there, there are those that are going to be good for short-term set-asides. Short-term set-asides. They're not, they're not savings accounts. They're short-term set-asides. And m- my bride and I do that. We do that with our resources. Every, like I said, every, every, single, every single sheep that comes into our home, every single face that comes into our home, we know where it comes from in advance. And we also know in advance where every one of those faces is going to be allocated for the future, whether it's a short-term future or a long-term future or a sacrificial future. And it, it seems like when you, begin, when you begin to look at what the shepherd has to say and what the Proverbs have to say is that you, you don't even have to believe in a God. You don't, you don't have to understand or even matriculate this person called Jesus Christ. You can, you can just look at the, the basic financial faces principle and say, you know what? These are sound guidelines for the resources that God has entrusted us with. And, and as you move forward, as you move forward in life, one of, the th- one of the things that we learn on a regular basis as far as short-term allocations are concerned is this. How many have a Tumwa bill? 
You better all raise your hands somehow. I mean, you guys are paying for water somehow, all right? But we, we know that in our home, Tamwa, during the wintertime is like 30 bucks a month, all right? During the spring and the summertime, it's, it's like the national debt. <laughs> you know, it's $100 plus, you know, to take care of it. So what do we do? We allocate so much money on a set-aside basis for the short haul so that when it comes time for the water bill to go up, in, in May, June, July, August, September, those resources are already set aside. They're not really savings accounts. They're short-term set-asides. But we also have resources that we set aside for the long haul. We have savings. Those are the precious treasures. Those are, those are the savings that come, in, that come into play when, when we have financial exigencies such as a medical emergency that nobody anticipated or expected. Or, or we have all of a sudden an occupational exigency where the occupation that we have may change or our, our occupation may just go away entirely. And the shepherd is saying in every home, in the home of the person whose mind is connected with, with their right hand, you should have set-asides and you should have savings that are strategically put together. Now, this is an aside. This is an aside. It's not in the program. This is free if you want it. You can take it home. Um, but faces need to be allocated to places, and that can end sometimes, if it's not done, in disgraces. That's what happened to the prodigal son. He ended up being disgraced because the faces weren't put in the appropriate places. And let me tell you today what the biggest inappropriate place for our resources, one of the biggest inappropriate places where our resources go on a regular basis is right here. At one point, my money talked and it said, pay me off ASAP. Time out. I get it. We get it. For those of us that are here in the room and, and we are in debt, and I'm not talking houses, we're talking consumer debt. Remember, it's not over. Since, since you're in it for the long haul, since you have a relationship with money for the long haul, don't give up, but get out of debt, especially consumer debt. There's an acronym that I put together for debt. Deferred expense, but it's trouble. It's so much trouble down the road. I've been there. My bride and I have been there. And we made, a, we made a conscious decision, a conscious decision to adopt this philosophy, no more debt. And then once we adopted that philosophy, we had to begin to adapt our finances on a weekend and week out basis, a month to month, a quarterly basis, a year to year basis. It took us about four years to get out of debt because we were both so wise with resources. And here's why. Here's why. The Bible says, let no debt remain outstanding. So pay it off. Pay it off. There, there's another proverb I want to share with you. 
the biggest single reason, no, I'm, don't put it up there yet. Don't put it up yet. Okay. What do you think the biggest single reason for consumer debt is? Really? You have to have it now. Well, that's part of it. But the biggest single reason for consumer debt, according to almost every financial counseling place you'll find, is this. Lack of financial knowledge. Nobody's teaching this stuff. No, nobody's, nobody is teaching financial practices at the home or personal level. High schools aren't teaching it. Colleges aren't teaching it. The credit card companies aren't teaching it. So you know who needs to teach it? The church needs to teach it. Why? Because this is the proverb. I love this proverb. Plans fail for a lack of knowledge, but with many advisors, they succeed. What we need is good sound, sound financial advice prior to debt, not after it occurs. And the, bi the best place for people to get sound financial advice before it goes away probably needs to be the church because nobody else is teaching it. What, what's happened is that we've, we've exchanged temporal things. This is what's incredible about debt. The average person that was interviewed and, and was paying off debt, the average consumer loan debt per person in the United States today that's old enough to have consumer debt is over $26,000 per person. You know what that means? It means that, it means that literally it's, it's $3.9 trillion. It means that we're leveraging our kids' future with present debt. We have, we have short-haul thinking that eventually somebody's going to have to bite the bullet and make this change. Somebody's going to have to bite the bullet and make this different in some fashion. And, and you know what the biggest, the biggest single problem contributor to credit card debt? Amazon Prime. How many got this little puppy? Yeah. This puppy will sneak up on you. It will take your wallet right out of your back pocket. And, and, and you know what happens? It, for, for my bride and I, it, it's one of the most difficult things to manage because we, we are so many things on, you know, ship and save or whatever it's called. You know what I'm talking about? where you, you order things in advance because they're staples that you need, and then when the Amazon bill comes in, everybody goes, oh, wow, what happened here? It's, it's, pers it's personal debt, and this is one of the faces we have to check in on with on a regular basis. Now, now none of this this morning, n none of this this morning, and I, really, I really want you to hear my heart on this, None, none of this is to make you feel bad. None of, none of this is to make you feel like a failure. None of this is meant to have you leave and say, I'm so upside down in this, it's never going to work. So why get out of debt? And, and I'm going to give you 
the best piece of wisdom that I think my bride and I ever figured out regarding our personal debt. At, at one point, the light came on. The light came on. Our, our, our mind all of a sudden got wise and got connected with our right hand. And, and, and we said this. Now listen. What if, what if, what if everything that we were currently spending on consumer debt, whatever that number was at that point in time, I don't know, three, four, five hundred dollars a month, what if we were able to make snowball payments against that debt and eventually pay it all off? And then what we used to be spending on consumer debt, we now could flip the script. And instead of making payments to temporal, we don't even know what the money was used for expenses, we said if we pay off our debt, what if we took those dollars and began to immediately put those into sacrificial generosity? to benefit other people. The biggest single inhibitor to freedom in giving, to freedom in resources, is personal debt. Here's what what Jesus said. I I love this. From another story, Jesus Jesus is telling the story of a shrewd person who, who actually in some ways was a little bit shrewd and a little bit of a crook, but he understood how to take resources and, and, and buy some friends. Are you, are you following me? If, if you, people that have a lot of money can buy friends, right? Okay, here's what it says. Now, now my advice to you is to use money, tainted as it is, to make yourselves friends so that when it comes t- to an end, they may welcome you into eternal habitations you know what Jesus is saying Jesus is saying use your money make a sacrifice make an investment so that when you're on the other side in some fashion the resources that you released for sacrificial spiritual purposes there will be friends on the other side that welcome you for spending your money in such, now listen, in such an amazing, eternal, long-haul fashion. And it, it may not make sense right now. It may not make sense right now. But the reality is this. What we do with our resources determines in large measure the condition of our heart toward the face of God. And you don't, have, you don't have to make any changes at all. I'm not asking you to make changes. We're not asking you to make changes. What we're doing is we're asking you to evaluate the relationship that you have with your money. Is it long haul? or short term. And if you want to adopt long haul, we have some places for you. And I'll share them with you in just a second.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Whenever we talk about the subject of money and relationships, we know even in this room that conflict can happen between folks and communication can go south. And the primary reason for the conflict and the poor communication sometimes or the primary issue it has to do with resources and it has to do with money. And so I'm grateful that your word is not silent on these kinds of things, that, that your word has plenty of instruction, plenty of direction, and plenty of resolution for all of us in dealing with the resources that you've entrusted us with. And so I pray for this church, I pray for those here today that that if they haven't adopted a long-haul understanding, that they do it today, and that they commit today to make um, some steps to connecting with their money and their resources in a different fashion. We thank you for that. We praise you for it. And we ask this in the glorious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Two things. We have two classes. One is called Good Sense. It's a, it's a two-part budgeting class. It takes place on the 17th and the 24th. Russ Hahn, Russ, raise your hand. Russ teaches that class. It, and, and I want you to hear me. The, if, you, if you go to sign up for a class, it, it's not supposed to be stigmatizing. It's not to say, gosh, I'm in, I'm in trouble, and if I sign up for this class, everybody's going to think I'm in trouble, and I'm just a lousy money person. That's not the case. The case is, is that all of us have challenges with respect to resources, and maybe you just have, have to have some help finding out what what places the faces that you have need to be assigned to. Don't, don't be afraid of that. And then number two is if money talked. It's coming in April. It's going to be a midweek small group class engagement. Pastor Andy is going to be teaching that, and, and it's going to go a little bit farther than good sense. And if you do those, if you do those six weeks, you will be in a healthier position then than you are now, and you'll have more freedom regarding your life and how your resources can be better used. God bless. We'll see you all. Don't forget, go to the, good, go to the uh, Next Step kiosk if you want to sign up for the class, or you can go to the Welcome Center, or you can go to the Welcome Center in the middle. All of you all sign up somewhere. See you all next Sunday. Bye.